Welcome to the DBS Films Podcast, a behind-the-scenes look into making indie films. Learn from DBS Films about their process, tips, and fun stories that all come with making multiple movies a reality. Hey everybody, welcome to the DBS Films Podcast. My name is Kellen, with me as always is my brother Brennan. Together we make movies with DBS Films. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about how you can keep your audience's attention as a filmmaker, which nowadays with streaming and cell phones and everything is really not the easiest of tasks. Be sure to take a look at our Discord channel online because we make movies for our fans with our fans. So if you ever want to be part of the movie making process on set in the movies with us, well, that is the place to be. So I think this is honestly a really interesting topic. And it was something that kind of got brought up when I was listening to another podcast called The Town, and they directly mentioned something that a lot of scripts were getting feedback that they're not second screen friendly. And apparently what second screen friendly means is people nowadays are always on their cell phones, as we know. So the movie itself doesn't fit better for the format of being able to watch a movie while being on your phone. And, you know, this really kind of, to me, highlighted, I think, a big issue that a lot of filmmakers face. And I think it's going to be something that's only going to be continuing in this landscape. So these next two episodes, we're going to talk about why it's kind of shifted to this. And then more importantly, what you can do as a filmmaker to give yourselves the best odds to succeed, especially when streaming is so important, because the longer you stream the movie, well, the more you end up getting paid as a filmmaker. So I think the first place to really kind of go back, and I, I feel like this happens all the time, but this is really the general shift of what the movie making industry is in the sense of moving from DVDs to, or moving from the theaters to DVDs to on demand to now instant access streaming. And I think, you know, really some things to highlight is again, even the early versions of the iPhone, you really didn't have very good mobile connectivity. You didn't really have very good apps. And now you have full-on streaming services and uh, entertainment acts like like uh, TikTok and Instagram and all these tech players who literally specialize in how to make the most addicting thing possible when it comes to their algorithm. So you have this new, new rapidly expanding tech versus the old legacy. And I think the big issue that I see is, you know, when you go from something of having to go to a movie theater and sit down and watch it versus you can click a button and it's there. When you have to pay for a ticket versus you paid five dollars and you get to watch unlimited movies, it just makes it such an easier way to just bring out your phone. I know me personally, when I'm watching a movie, I'm on my phone all the time, too. It is something where unless I'm going to a theater or if it's a movie that I really want to focus on and watch, I'm typically kind of having it in the background. I'll be working and watching another movie in the side, too. So I think it's kind of a byproduct of us as human society that we have so much instant access to all of this entertainment that most people typically are constantly on their phones while they're watching a movie or consuming other media. Sometimes we're even doing it in movie theaters. So what are kind of your thoughts on how we got to a position where, you know, used to be movies had your sole focus and sole engagement to now, even when someone clicks play on your movie, you're still competing for their attention while they're watching it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, society in today's standard of just you know we need stimulation we need constant stimulation it's kind of hard to put the phone down um and i'm the same way um i will watch movies in the movie theater i'll keep my phone away and then a couple times a week i'll watch a movie that i actually want to watch and i will put my phone down and you know watch that movie without any kind of distraction for the most part i do watch two or three movies a day 
for research purposes to just keep up on the indie scene um, just to see what uh, new trends are happening on Amazon. So I'll watch a whole bunch of movies, but I'm working. I'm the same as Kel. I'll have the movies on the background, um, you know, just to, to have that stuff playing so I could, you know, do my work and still keep a, an eye out for any kind of indie stuff that's hitting the market. Um, so, I mean, it's just, that's just the nature of the beast. I think that, you know, people's attention spans are pulled in a whole bunch of different directions. Um, for an indie filmmaker who, you know, makes a lot of their money off of Tubi, it's not a horrible thing because people are watching the movie. I think you kind of run into problems, um, like we said before on the podcast, as far as like storyline. And if you're really not paying attention to a lot of movies, you can get lost and not understand the story, which is kind of like where we came up with our methodology methodology of you know, reiterating the plot multiple times so that people understand what's going on. Because in my head, you know, just where our movies are, the quality of movies, the streaming platforms that we hit, our audience is usually, you know, late night. They're just trying to watch a movie to go to bed or, you know, they're kind of just browsing. You know, maybe we don't have their full attention. A lot of our ads are on Instagram or on Facebook or through Amazon advertising. So they click on an ad and then watch the movie. And, you know, like me, I'll give a movie my full attention if I'm really looking forward to watching that movie. If I'm just kind of browsing, if I'm going through the depths of Tubi, you know, I kind of click on a few things and then, you know, I'll be on my phone, I'll be checking emails or I'll be working until the movie kind of, you know, does enough for me to put all that stuff aside and be like, hey, this is actually like a banger. This is a good movie. And I feel like I have uh, more attention span discipline than most people. So, you know, this is me telling you this from most people who are grew up, you know, on the TikTok generation and all this stuff, there is just going to be, you know, you're competing for attention from multiple different devices, multiple different apps. And I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just a shift in the landscape. And again, you know, you're up against the smartest people with the algorithms. Like I was, I'm honestly still blown away about the difference and how powerful TikTok's algorithm is versus either YouTube reels or anything like that. And I got TikTok because of, you know, promoting DBS, which thank you TikTok for all the followers you have given us. Um, You know, we appreciate that it really kind of started us with the bump there. But what was interesting to me is, I mean, like what I think you end up having now is, you're getting people used to the concept of being able to say no. And I want something else different. Just the, the quantity of content is one of the biggest things. And I think what ends up happening a lot is, especially as an indie filmmaker, you know, you end up getting to the point where if there is ever something that ends up happening where, you know, someone just, is either bored or any little miss there i feel like you have so few chances now because basically on tiktok someone gives you one second to be like do i like this no next 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 and again that is the ultimate you know high funnel form of this this engagement but i think it does relate to movies too when it comes to streaming you know again you know me and you will watch something as we're working and as we're doing this you know, we'll get through the entire movie. But if I was really watching a movie for somewhat of entertainment purposes and there was something I didn't like, you can just immediately hop to the next one. And I think having that out there makes it very, very critical to really make it, you know, something that captures your attention. I also think one of the other biggest issues too is 
filmmakers, especially indie filmmakers, and I think even big filmmakers like Christopher Nolan will get to a point where I feel like there's a conflict between what the audience truly wants and what the filmmaker wants. And I think this is always going to exist. But for instance, some of the things that I look at is, you know, an indie filmmaker will be like, oh, I'm going to like hide this thing in there or like I'm going to have this long, like super symbolic thing. And 90% of the time, most people watching the movie will never even see that the things in the background or it'll completely fly over their head or something like that. And I think on the higher level is something like Christopher Nolan making an almost three hour long movie when like people like the biggest issue I usually hear from Oppenheimer is it's so long. And there's easily, I'm sure, a ton of feedback coming to him about how long this movie is. And yet he refused to chop it down. And, you know, I think it's something where there's a balance to it, where I think the filmmaker is always going to have this idealized version of how someone's going to consume their art. And the audience is just looking for something to entertain themselves. So what are your thoughts on, you know, not only on the indie level, but kind of on the, the entire spectrum of this little balance i would say where like almost i feel like as a filmmaker making something you're like you owe me the attention is almost what you see specifically in the indie film side of things as well yeah i think a lot of indie filmmakers suffer from this i see a lot of indie films where the concept's just not you know there um there's a very limited market for that concept or the story that they're telling is told in a way that is just boring um it may work for them but, you know, for a general audience of people who are looking for a story, um, it just doesn't work out. And I'll give you an example. There was a, a found footage movie that I just recently watched um, about a shapeshifter creature that I was looking forward to. I'm like, damn, I haven't seen, you know, shapeshifter movies in a while. Um, other than like Our Force of Death, it's really hard to find shapeshifter movies. There was like one on Netflix um, that was sort of indie and it was pretty well, pretty well done. Um, the problem was that this one really never had anything about the shapeshifter. So that was kind of, you know, a disappointment for me because I wanted to see a whole bunch of lore about a shapeshifter and just never show it up. So, you know, it is an interesting dilemma. I think Christopher Nolan has the right to do that. Um, he can make whatever he wants to make. Um, I think the Oppenheimer is definitely an interesting story. I think there's a lot of stuff there that could have been done differently. Um, but I think he just chose to do the same thing they kind of did with Dunkirk, which was, you know, he had a whole bunch of different sections, a whole bunch of different pieces of the story, but he never really fleshed out one, you know, area of it. We had the beginning of Oppenheimer's life, the middle of Oppenheimer's life, and then the end of Oppenheimer's life. And really, to me, the spice was when he started to build that bomb all the way through. I think if you would have made that movie like the Benjamin Cumberbatch movie with the, the Enigma machine, um, I think it would have been a much better movie. But once again, Christopher Nolan is, you know, one of the best directors of all time. He can do whatever he wants to do, you know, and the audience is going to show up. If you're an indie filmmaker, I got bad news for you. You're not Christopher Nolan. You kind of have to meet the audience halfway to get this stuff done, especially if you want to get your money back. Because there's just, once again, so much content out there. You're competing with Instagram. You're competing with TikTok. You're competing with YouTube. If you get 10 minutes into a movie and it's not good, then, you know, your time is valuable. 
um, to an extent. So you're going to switch and find something else. If you're not meeting your audience at least halfway, in our cases, we probably meet our audience 90% of the way. Um, just because we have an advertising background, I understand our market. I understand our fans. We have a huge community with gives, which gives us feedback. Um, there will be a day when I'm making the movies, you know, that I really want to make. But for right now, we make our movies for our fans. Um, and, you know, the whole goal of this studio is to live another day and make another movie. You ready for Brendan's four hour biopic, all black and white. I'm excited for it, friends. But I mean, that's really the case. You know, again, I will completely agree. Nolan has earned that right, because when you slap Nolan's name on a movie, it will get people into the seats and they will sit down and they will give you that attention. But as we mentioned, that attention is, you know, very, very hard to earn yourself as an indie filmmaker. So let's hop right into ways that you can go ahead and capture your audience's attention i think the first the very first thing is kind of what you mentioned it really is something i think one of the biggest things that you know we look for one of the reasons why we revisit our concepts as we did in the earlier podcast is the initial concept it needs to be able to really hook someone and again this is why we have cover art that we split test this is why we split test our synopsis but Really, within that first brief period that you are introduced to this this movie, you have an idea of what this is either about or what is going to happen, and it's very clear. Like you mentioned with the shape-shifting one, that caught your attention right away. You wanted to look right into it. And I think the way you see this in like, this is where you can really find in the indie filmmaking level if a movie is just in the abyss of no man's land. If I hear your title and you start to explain it and like literally within like one to two sentences, I still don't know what it is. You are so screwed. And I think it happens all the time because, again, people want unique concepts or it's between genres or it's kind of like, you know, a mix of these. And like that is one of the worst things to do to confuse someone right off the bat with what you're giving them. I think the, the best thing you can do is have a concept very clear and get to the point where the person's like, oh, you know, that's a cool concept. Girl in Cabin 13, you know, they go out on a vacation. Three masked men show up outside your house. What happens to them? That's very clear, very easy. Paranormal investigators lock themselves into a haunted house. Very clear, very easy haunting the murder house. There's a shapeshifter out there. And all of these things are basically ways to go ahead and get them to commit before they're kind of clicking into that because they want to see how the concept plays out. So I think really the first one is have a concept that people want to see to the end. So what are kind of your thoughts on how that overall concept you know, in my opinion, is that first big hook to drive them into the, the well, one, the biggest hook is getting them to click something. So that really is important. Yeah, I mean, you just really got to make it clear what you're giving your audience um, because it's twofold. Number one, you're going to find the people who are interested in this movie. And number two, you're going to keep people engaged because they understand what's going on. And I do see a lot of indie filmmakers who basically, the title makes no sense. The blurb makes no sense. And 20 minutes into the movie, I'm like, what is this? And the biggest reason, and we've done a bunch of surveys and we've done a lot of data collection on this, the reason number one that people stop watching a movie is because they're bored. They'll change it. The number two reason is because they're confused. Like if you don't, if you confuse people, confused people will turn your movie off and not finish it. And they will also leave you bad reviews. And we had a ton of data with this with Into the Forest, right? Into the Forest, it, people clicked on it. 
People downloaded it. People watched it. They stopped watching it after about 30 to 40 minutes because they had no idea what was going on. The people who finished it had no idea what was going on because we never reiterated the story. We never said what the witch's powers were. We never mentioned anything about shape-shifting. It was basically confusion all the way through. That is a very low-performing movie because, once again, we get paid through ads and how many people watch the movie through completion. And number two is very lowly, it's very low-rated because we confused a lot of people, which pissed them off, and they were like, what the heck is this? What is going on? So you really have to make sure all the way through the movie, um, from title, from blurb to cover art, you're very clear with your intentions so you can find the right audience. And number two, you're very clear with your story so you can you know, keep that audience hooked and they understand the plot and they can root for the characters um, all the way through. The, the more that your audience has to focus on plot and understand what's going on is less attention they're going to give to the characters, less attention to the smaller little details of the movie. And once again, how you make a really good movie is avoid the pitfalls, Focus on the details um, because that's how you kind of reward your audience um, for giving them a deeper experience. Exactly that. I mean, if you don't start right from the beginning and then kind of continue that flowing, it really creates a, a, an easily unclickable and, and then, you know, turning off and going to a different uh, movie as the story progresses. So one, number one, the, the concept overall is very important. And again, you should be able to explain that concept very, very quickly in the sense that like, you know, we'll listen to the indie filmmaking podcasts out there. Anytime they interview someone and it's like, what's the elevator pitch? And then the filmmaker makes a little joke like, oh boy, the elevator pitch, like, where do I even begin? That's a red flag. That is like the biggest red flag that they are waving, in my opinion. And again, I understand how this happens, you know, especially if it's your first time filmmaker and you want to have a unique concept or you want to do something like this it's very easy to kind of blur these lines. And the more simple and straightforward that you can make your concept, the more clear it's going to hook the people who are looking for it. So I think that's super important. Let's talk about the next thing, which is your trailer. Your trailer really should be able to go ahead and explain directly to you what's happening, what you can expect, what's coming forward in this one. And realistically, the trailer should give you a good amount of information that you should be able to accurately explain our plot. I would say look at Horror in the Forest. Our newest trailer, I think, is our best trailer. And it is something where you literally get an explanation of what's out there. I mean, we, we started doing it, I would say, ever since the haunting of the, the murder house, really, where like someone's directly kind of explained it or the campfire lore. But I just really feel like in the horror in the forest, we did a great job of setting up what the real plot is, explaining what's going to happen, and basically leaving them a question mark of like, is this a concept you like? You want to see how this plays out? And then going from there. So what are your thoughts on, you know, again, how crucial that trailer is? Yeah, I think if you really, I, I think our our starting point with the trailers was with Girl in Cabin 13, um, because we did have Sunny explain exactly what was happening. She was going in the cabin for a weekend, there's going to be no self-service, and then we intercut it with people chopping up Stuart. And there is a massive growth in visibility um, and sales from Girl in Cabin 13 all the way through, you know, where we are now. The first Hateful Eight, if you go look at our trailers um, I think outside of the unseen, um, that was a really popular trailer. The rest of the trailers are not very good. And that was twofold. Number one, we never really had 
scenes that sat down and explained the plot. Devil in the Room had those, but I just remember most of that was Dr. Gubo in the office, and those scenes were poorly shot. There's poor audio, and there's a lot of issues with a lot of that stuff. Um, so we never could really use it. So honestly, I think the Hateful Eight, they just didn't have tra- like the quality of the movie, the quality of the scenes were not even there to put in the trailer. And I actually see a lot of this in the indie movie scene. If your trailer is not good, as in there's not good scenes in that trailer, your movie is probably not very good. Because if you can't tell me you're going to take your hour and 20 minute movie and you can't get 60 seconds of really cool clips in there, then you're in trouble. And that's what happened with us with the first eight movies. We just didn't have enough quality content. We hit Girl in Cabin 13 and to where we are now. The Roger Project trailer is going to be great. Um, we found a formula, and trust me, it drives sales more than anything else. You have to have a good trailer. You have to have a good cover art. You have to have a good blurb. Distribution is asking for this stuff. And even just distribution is trying to get on your side to help you. But basically, if you cannot drive eyeballs to your movie, if they're not clicking on this stuff and understanding what concept you're trying to tell – you're going to be in trouble. And I see it all the time in the indie film world, but please, please, I'm begging you focus on your cover art, get professional cover art done. We have 500 covers that we split test. We have professional artists making these covers. Then make sure you have a blurb. There's no reason to not have a good blurb. Go hire a copywriter. There's a ton of services for copywriting and then trailer trailer is a little bit harder, especially if you're not an editor, but man, you got to make sure that people understand what's going to happen in this movie that you show your captivating scenes and that you basically have a, a hooky clickbaity kind of trailer. And we don't worry about spoilers too much. Um, if you see our trailers are cut very, very quickly, we do this on purpose to give people glimpses of the things that are going to happen, but it's kind of vague as in, you don't know, you know, th- bad things are going to happen, but we're not necessarily giving away ending spoilers or anything crazy like that. Um, and that's probably a better way to do it. But do not like really worry about spoilers too much. Um, I'd rather have a more intense trailer, a more action-packed trailer than one that's boring. And you see it all the time, you know, with Hollywood, they'll put spoilers and stuff in the trailers. A lot of people who don't watch trailers, but I would much rather do that than have a boring trailer that nobody's going to watch. 100% the case. I mean, again, you know, you have to get their, their attention right there. And I think, that's so critical, you know, at the start to get their attention. But, you know, as we were talking about trailers, I think something that that came up and where we're going to end this episode is a lot of times you might have just not made a movie that's actually a, a good enough, essentially attention wise to make a trailer that will catch people's attentions, as you mentioned. And this is what we're going to go into in our next episode. We're basically going to talk about how you can set your film itself up. You know, what are some of the tactics that we use? to make things progress? What are some of the ways that we can make uh, the movies progress as well too, so that you can, you know, have the action packed trailer so that you can have the action needed to then hook someone in. Honestly, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that we always mention when it comes to the overall concept is if you just pick the wrong concept or you pick the wrong, you know, uh, idea right from the beginning, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot, not only with the budget, but also is there that audience there? So, you know, real quick, do you think, it's kind of a mixed bag. If you don't, you know, put these things in the movie to get them, then you don't end up having the the, the hooks and the trailers there. But would you say, you know, it's very easy to tell 
a good movie based on those quality of things in sense of cover art synopsis and trailer i feel like with our experience now i can sniff out with a very good accuracy you know where it lies on the indie film spectrum yeah i could i could figure out most of this stuff um just watching the trailer i could probably tell you if the movie's gonna be good or not and there's a lot of people who do really really good trailers like they do really good trailers and the movie just turns out to be trash but for the most part, and I'm trying to think of examples where I've watched a really bad trailer and the movie's really, really good, and I can't really think of them. The people who make a good trailer usually have a good movie because they're going to put the time and the effort to really kind of make a good trailer, and that shows that they're going to put the time and effort to make a good movie. Not always, not always the case the other way around where I see a lot of good trailers and the movie's just not good because usually – in that case, they will have 60 seconds of really cool action stuff, and then the movie turns out to be not that great. Um, Outwaters is a good example, um, although a lot of people like Outwaters, so I'm not going to be too harsh on them. But uh, they had a great trailer, fantastic trailer. Um, the movie I thought was all over the place, but they kind of just took you know, the pieces of the movie um, and did it. But you know, there's a lot of people who like Outwaters. I thought it was a cool movie. Um, but that was an example of one where you can have 60 seconds of craziness and um you know put that in a trailer but that is much better than having a bad trailer i've had i can't think off the top of my head a movie that had uh, a really bad trailer and turned out to be really good yeah i mean i think that's definitely the case there so that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode as always be sure to take a look at our discord channel online because we make movies for our fans with our fans so if you're only part of the movie making process that is the place to be also be sure to take a look at our movies online or in the forest could be out i don't know maybe but we have a lot of a lot of other movies out there that you can watch as well too so until then have a good one my friends